Hi, good morning, everyone. My name is Becky, and I am a compulsive overeater. I'm a compulsive everything. I'm just compulsive. Um, I am, first of all, welcome to the newcomer that gets Patrick and Angel. And anyone that's new to this meeting, thank you so much for being here. You're a very important part of my recovery. And we already love you. So we hope that you continue to stick around and keep coming back. I also want to thank this group because this is my home group that has stuck with me since the beginning, since I got here. And um, I'm going to tell you a little bit about what it was like, what happened, and then what it's like today. Um, if the timer could give me um, like 10 and then 5. Tell me at the 10 and then the 5. Before I, when I was young, at a very young age, I became body aware. My father's from Tahiti and he was a drug enforcement agent in Chicago. And on the side, he had a side gig of Polynesian culture. So we would be the group that went and performed at the luau's. And from the time I could put a little grass skirt on my body, me and my brothers and sisters and cousins, we would be taken to these luau's and I'd be put in a little bikini top and a grass skirt and um, people would give me money and give me attention. And um, I remember very young age also loving free food. So when we were at a performance and they provided a meal, I was always the one who made two or more plates found an extra plate and like was going to take it home and hoard it. I never considered that there's food for a certain number of people. I would always take more than my share. So very, very young. That's my, probably my earliest, earliest eating memories. And because I had money as a kid, I had my own little savings account that I could write in how much I got paid. I would get paid $60 a weekend. And, you know, for a nine-year-old or a 10-year-old, that adds up over the years, but I'd spend it. I'd spend it on, on two things, candy, or right, right around the corner was a factory that made candy apples. And I would buy 24 for $8. And I would put them in my room, in the closet, so that none of my four other siblings would get to them. They had their own money and they got their own. It didn't seem like it was important to them, but it was important to me. So that's my earliest memories of, of being like sugar addictive. And the other thing that happened was because I had, was a middle child in a family of five and we're all two years apart. 
one to two, actually one to two years. There is a brother of mine where we are the same age for a few days. So my mom was pumping them out. And so um, my other my other memory as a child with regards to food was that in order to get the good portions of whatever, you had to be the first one to the table. You had to be the first one up in the morning. At, because if there was, it would either run out and you'd be stuck with, you know, it would just run out and you'd be stuck with whatever, you know, if my mom would make bread and gravy all the time left out from the leftover grease of the hamburger meat. I apologize if I'm triggering anyone with these food, but this is the last of my mentions of specifics. Um, but if you didn't make it to the table before somebody else, you only got the bread or whatever. So, and I would always take more than my share right family of seven but i would hoard it like and i was mindful of it's going to run out there's not going to be enough i want seconds you know that that's how i remember my relationship to food when i was young and that carried on for a long time um it really and i and i also was i'm a dancer i've got i'm half naked every weekend and then during school, I played sports. I was a swimmer, again, half naked. And um, I was also put in other sports. But the one that I excelled the most at was swimming. And I started to notice in my teenager years, the comparing, comparing myself to others. And I remember um, the fastest swimmer, my best friend, she was always no body fat. And I always had a little bit of body fat. Um, I also would compare myself to my auntie, who was a dancer her whole life. My aunties were petite, that word bugs the shit out of me, <laughs> petite. I never knew what petite meant. And when I still don't, when I go to the grocery store, I mean, not the grocery, the clothing store, there's a, a, I don't know if the men's department has this, but the women's department has another little section for the petite. <laughs> and then we have the plus sizes. I don't think they have that for men. Men's got, you have your stores or maybe you have a plus size store. <laughs> but for us girls, we had this petite thing and I had a petite auntie, her size was zero. Is that a size? If it's a zero, I don't know. I don't know. But I grew up and not once in my life, like at absolutely no phase of my development, not when I was eight years old, was I ever a size zero. I don't know whose bodies fit in that. So I was this, they, I, I would be called, the things that would be called to me as um, a 120 pound, five, seven athlete, I would be referred to as an Amazon next to my petite aunties. 
and they would have to make the clothing bigger for my for me um <clears throat> i also took pride in this um they used to call my thighs you know thunder thighs or tahari thighs they're very muscular when i look back and i look at my you know youth teenager pictures I, what i was was an athletic build but i would compare and i would despair and this went on finally i i uh went to college and i spent one semester i have one semester of completed well it was barely completed college but because i went into my room i didn't fit in this was a place where people were drinking and going greek i went at Greencastle, Indiana, and um, I didn't wasn't exposed to a lot of alcohol and uh, partying when I was young because I grew up Mormon, <clears throat> and um, it was a shock. Plus, I was extremely depressed now that I now looking back at the time, and I indulged in the all you can eat buffet, and um, you know immediately put on forty pounds in three months. And uh, I would just binge and purge and binge and purge every day, several times a day. Um, I got sicker and sicker. I got, uh, um, you know, I was just doing very compulsive, self-harming behaviors, and I had to leave. As an adult, I start, had children. I was still dancing, still comparing, still despairing. I remember I worked for SeaWorld in Florida. I love SeaWorld and I worked for SeaWorld in Florida in a in the Polynesian dance troupe. Now I remember the family that was hiring me was a Tongan family and structurally they were larger people. I was so happy to be there because they were larger girls than me. They were so beautiful and there was literally no their confidence their their confidence blew me away. They were stunning, drop dead gorgeous, and had, you know, 50 inch hips, which today people market big booties, you know. But at the time, it wasn't like that back in the 80s. And I was just like, why, how are they so confident with their bodies? They just seem so happy. I just didn't fit in. Like I just was never content, always comparing and despairing. And so what got me here is uh, the final days. Um, my diabetes was um, the numbness, the, the neuropathy in my hands and feet was continuous every day, all day. Uh, the diabetes i was not i was on uh, medication for high blood pressure diabetes i was uh, 50 uh i'm sorry 51 when i got here thank you shelby did was that uh time is that 10 thank you and um what it looked like was continuous eating and i'm not exaggerating it was i had to have something in my mouth snacking the entire day that that reading today susan you know um can't you have a taste can't you have a bite 
And that happens all the time, right, in life. Like, hey, you got to try this. Just bite. I mean, what's one going to hurt, you know? It's like, well, I don't eat sugar. Wow, what's one just, you know, this is so delicious, this thing, you know? They don't know. It's like, I'm like, in my mind, it's like, if I'm, it's like, there's 12 of them on the tray. Like, are you giving me the whole tray? Are you giving me one? (laughs) Because I'm not interested in one. Uh, they don't understand. Anyway, um, so I was continuously eating. I was at, well, the last time I weighed was 285. I kind of stopped waiting. Wait, my guess is somewhere between 285 and 300 and 5'7". And uh, the neuropathy, the pain of the neuropathies was, was killing me. I almost got in a car accident because I would be eating and then I would fall asleep from the diabetes. It would make me sleepy driving at the wheel. And, um, and it was, uh, horrific, the pain in my joints, cause I have terrible joints from the sports and the athletics, the pain in my back, my legs, my neck, everything, my neck, um, you know, I'd be going in for cortisone shots because the weight of my H double H breasts pulling on my neck and shoulders. I remember one time I went into a plastic surgeon to get. Uh, you know, I had, I'm in the other program as well. And to get a breast reduction covered, completely covered by insurance because of the, what it was doing to my neck and shoulders. And, um, the, the surgeon said, you know, you have to lose 20 pounds for us to do this particular surgery without really chopping you up completely. And I, I remember he gave me two months to do it and it was not possible for me to lose 20 pounds. Well, also I was praying at the time, is this the right thing? And I had a very clear prayer answer to my prayer. No lady, sorry, doggy wants to play. And the answer was this problem isn't going to be solved by a surgery. The weight loss is what needs to happen. So I canceled the surgery the day before and continued on my recovery journey, not getting here yet. I went to a meeting because in my inventory in the other program, my self-loathing, my self-judgment criticism was, you know, largely about my body and and what, how I felt, how I felt because of my body and how I, always thought people don't like me because of my body and was judging me because of the way I looked because that's what I was doing to them. And, um, and so what happened was, um, it, my sponsors would continuously point to it. Well, when you're ready to look at your food, OA is where I suggest you go. So one day I tried it and I went to this meeting in Pasadena. And there was a speaker that used to be 500 pounds and she was maintaining like a 230 pound weight loss, something like that. She was like just under 300. I remember dredging her going, cause I first got in there and I went, I'm in an, the speaker is 300 pounds. And I remember being judgmental, right? Like, I don't know. But as soon as they started talking, oh my God, they talked about, the food stuck in the folds of the fat of my body. 
They talked about my thighs being bloody from rubbing. They talked about the pain. They talked about doing things that I never knew other people knew what I was doing. And I, I identified immediately and I bawled like, like I couldn't stop the uncontrolled sobbing. It was disruptive to the meeting, but they were all like, keep coming back, girl. But it was just, I like, I lost it. I lost my shit. And it was like, as soon as the person was done, I got up and I started moving. I like, I got to get the F out of here. I got to get out of here. And I, before I got to the door, somebody said, here, take this book. And they put, they put one of our readers in my hand before I escaped the room. And I had the courage to open that reader and I added it to my daily reading and I started reading it one day at a time for 10 years. Thank you. Is that one or five? I, oh, sorry. One more time. One more time. Five. Thank you. And I, I read it for 10 years, 10 years. And I identified through that book every day, reading it with my other stuff, my other readers from the drinking program and from the relationships program. And I just kept praying for the willingness to be willing. The diabetes was getting really bad. I was coaching swimmers, high performance, committed year round athletes. And I was standing on that deck in pain, continuous pain, ashamed, full of shame that I'm telling athletes how to eat and how to spend their life. And I wasn't an example. The hypocrisy was killing me. And I finally was in enough pain and desperate enough to go to a doctor. I talked to the doctor about what to do. We talked about the gastric bypass as a means to get my diabetes under control. But I was also warned, if you don't work on your mental aspect around food, it, you, you might end up doing more damage. So, is my lawn person getting louder again? <laughs> Take 60 seconds. Try the back. I didn't even think of this. It's harder back here. Is this better? Better? Yes. Well, I might as well show you my daughter's beautiful gardens. There you go. We're growing vegetables, and I'm eating them. And I just want to share that. Um, comparing and despairing. 
just talk about recovery from I, bottom line is I got here. I met, I met um, a person in this room who I could identify with and who I could listen to. And one item at a time, I'm not one of those people that came in and had let go of everything immediately. This, this program for me has been at a snail's pace, snail's pace. It's been one behavior at a time. It started with a particular type of a chip. It was like, can I go without a chip for a day or two days for a week? And then I started with other items for a day or two a week. I was in the program one year before I had the gastric bypass. I'm not going to talk much about that um, other than it was a medical procedure that has extended my life. And I did it before I was too sick to, um, to benefit from what it's done for my diabetes and my high blood pressure and my neuropathy. Um, today, I get up in the morning, I read a portion of the big book, 86 to 88, and it tells me how to let go of my self-will. And um, I've been working on doing 10 minutes of meditation every morning. And I, I, I don't do anything 100%. My friend Stan once told me, hey kid, if you, if you can do it about 80% of the time, that's pretty good. I just needed to hear that because when I set my goal, like I have to do this 100% all the time, like, and do it perfectly. I just keep highlighting my, my failure, my, but I also am very acutely aware recently of my powerlessness in many areas, many areas of my life. Um, certain food items, have a tendency to take over my life. And this is what it looks like. Something new is introduced. I'm like, oh, I like this. I'm gonna have one. Week later, I'm gonna have two. Week later, I'm having four. Now I'm having eight. And now I'm throwing extras on top of it. And it happens like really fast. It happens really fast. And next thing you know, I'm a nut slave to some food item and I'm anxious when I have to go somewhere and I don't have it. This program has helped me really get closer to a higher power and to be very aware of how powerless I am. The reading for today, um, I have grandchildren that I'm taking care of and I'm touching and preparing foods that I don't eat for them. And at my hand, my automatic response goes like this, right? I'm gonna get it off my fingers. And the program interrupts and goes, that's kind of dangerous. You're about to throw yourself in front of the car. You never know what's gonna happen with that. Also, it's like, is it worth it? Once in a while, I do it, something. But I, my head says, the program says, that's probably not good for you. And I, and I go, I'm going to do it anyway. And 
things sometimes I have to get to a place where I am desperate enough to make a change. So there's a lot of noise here in the barrio. I'm in the barrio of beautiful South El Monte. There's airplanes overhead and people um, mowing the lawn. And I'm just present. I'm just looking at your faces. I'm looking at the room. I'm sure Terry and Susan are in there. I'm thinking about when we did meet in there, all the people and where they sit in their seats. And um, I just have gratitude in the morning. In the morning, so this is a new thing for me. Two gratitude items. Pray, give your day over to turn your day over to your higher power. Two gratitude items. Not an entire list, not for me. Just two. Can't repeat them. Can't repeat. So it's got to be something new every day. And then one outreach call, specifically to somebody who deals with the compulsion that we deal with. And so it's just being of service, asking for God to be here and be trying to live a daily, grateful, daily life. You guys have taught me so much. I'm so very, very grateful for all of you in my life. I welcome the newcomers. And with that, I will, um, that's it. That's all I got. I love you. Thank you.